Hello everyone, this is Kerwin and Travel. This week with Kushro and Kerwin. And this is episode 11. And um, it, it's, it's always exciting. Thank you guys so much for doing the downloads. Um, if you go to passfather.com, uh, you can always see the latest episode. There's a little, uh, little thing at the top of the screen and you can check out the latest episode there. And you guys have actually been listening. And so we're over 5,000 downloads now. So I'm really, we're really, really, really excited about that. But we need your feedback. So when you download an episode, listen to an episode, if you do it on Stitcher or Spotify or um, Apple, uh, leave, us a fee- leave us some uh, feedback um, and let us know how we're doing and let us know what you want to hear. You can always send an email to feedback at passrider.com. And we'll respond to it, and uh, maybe you have a topic that we want to we want to talk about. So this week, um, Krishna and I we're going to talk about um, partly uh, the MRJ program is delayed again. So what's going on with that, Krishna? Well, surprisingly, to a relatively knowledgeable outsider. It seems like a series of bungled moves and they don't appear to really learn from their prior mistakes. Mm-hmm. And this may be a very subjective view of looking at things, but the whole program seems to have been jinxed from the start. Well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. Okay. This was initially started in 2008. And it was supposed to be state-of-the-art for a regional jet, um, entirely produced and designed in Japan. So, And this comes after the YS-11, uh, which was that, uh, because Viscount uh, supposed rival that was developed in the 60s, it wasn't a great success, but it still found a lot of use with uh, airlines around the world, but mainly with the Japanese military. And uh, so this um, MRJ, as they were calling it, was supposed to be a rival to Embraer as a regional jet. Right. And supposed to be state-of-the-art, supposed to be all carbon composite and, well, mostly carbon composite and uh, very efficient. They were the first airline, to, first manufacturer to use the new Pratt & Whitney geared turbofan engine, the GTF as they call it. It was supposed to be extra efficient than anything out there. Well, it's 2020 and they still haven't delivered it. So now yeah. state of the art is anything but. <laughs> so they were supposed to have their first delivery in 2013 to ANA. Right. But through a series of, again, mismanagement, errors, and it seems really just to be plain bungles, they had to redesign the aircraft pretty much on all major systems from the wiring to the wings, to the undercarriage, the wheels in 2015, yeah. 2016. So then they said they would deliver in 2020 but so far nothing has happened Mm. and then just last week um 
Mitsubishi effectively followed the program. So they've stopped all flight tests okay. and all further um, development of the program. Well, how close were they to, to, the, to like delivering something? Well, they had planned to deliver in, 20, in 2020, 2020, sorry, this year. Mm -hmm. And they were clearly nowhere near as ready as they should have been. Uh, and uh, so ANA has been waiting for this aircraft from 2013. And now it just seems very doubtful if they will ever get it or if trans states, for instance, will ever right. get it. And the reason is that MHI, which is Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, the parent of the Mitsubishi Space Jet, as they've now called it, um, has been bleeding cash for this program. Again, because of the huge costs of uh, first designing the aircraft and then fixing the design. Right. Now it's gone from um, composite wings to aluminum wings. And now the tail is the main assembly that is um, composite. Oh. And um, then they seem to have bungled the suitability of this aircraft for the US, where we have this scope clause, where you know, you're only allowed to operate up to a 76 seat aircraft um, that have to be a certain weight. Anything above that would require extra crew and there are all sorts of other restrictions. Well, it turns out that this plane, one that's currently being tested, is overweight. Not by a huge amount, but it's sufficient that if they make it compliant to the U.S. scope clause of 76 seats and that it, I believe it's an 80,000 pound weight limit, maximum takeoff weight, it would imply a huge penalty in the range. So that would make airlines like Transstates, uh, which is, I think, the main uh, carrier that's ordered the aircraft, rethink their order. So now this aircraft, which has been called the MRJ-90, which seats about 88 to 92 seats, right. is on the ground and essentially followed. Because mm -hmm. any profits made by MHI, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, has been completely offset by the losses on the space jet program. Right, which makes but sense. what is even more intriguing is that um, MHI made this huge investment in the Bombardier, the CRJ program, the sales right. and support program, because they didn't really have anything like that. So I guess it made sense to purchase the, the CRJ program, which is winding down anyway. This is from Bombardier. Yeah. And so they haven't entirely given up on the program. It seems an odd decision to make to spend this huge amount of money to buy this program and then follow the uh, any further test flights and uh, uh, further certification of the aircraft, which is currently there are six of them made, yeah, and they're currently grounded in uh, Moses Lake in Washington, where they had supposedly planned to have a U.S. assembly. Oh, okay. 
Well, I, so, I, guess, I, I guess it makes sense, right? I mean, considering the environment that we're in right now, um, it, it, it makes sense that they would suspend, suspend it. Um, I mean, because it's not like anyone is going to be buying new planes. Huh? Remember, they're not even close to bringing this aircraft into service. Yeah, but I think it's, it's always hard to tell when you're on the outside looking in. Um, True. Yeah, and and my guess is that maybe they maybe maybe I mean I could be wrong, of course, right? Maybe they just suspended it just because nobody's buying any planes, at least right for the moment. Right, and the, the whole case for this aircraft is has been rendered. I wouldn't. I don't want to say useless, but it's no longer state of the art. Remember, this was designed in two thousand eight. Now, admittedly, there was this major redesign in 2015 considering this aircraft is not going to go into service until at least 2022 not exactly state of the art so um a major selling point has been taken away from this plane it has so granted embraer is having its own issues yeah this is uh, the 190 right because we 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 spoke 190 the e2 actually yeah so we spoke about this last week. We were talking about the MRJ. Um, so you know we've been um, we've been keeping an eye on the on the program. So I, I guess we'll see we'll see what happens next with it, right? Yeah, and it's it's really confusing because this is the MRJ ninety, which is which ANA is going to take. Mm-hmm. Then they were going to develop this MRJ seventy, which is the seventy six seater for the U.S. market, which they right. expect to be the biggest. But they've scrapped that, and now they're calling the MRJ-70 the MRJ-100, hmm. which to me seems very, very confusing. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, there, is, there are plans that, are, that um, incorporate this aircraft holding above 100 seats. But again, given that the crew requirements are one cabin crew per 50 seats, they either have to be at 100 or maybe 115, 120. Because if they go to 105, they would require three cabin crew. Yeah. Which really doesn't make sense. So either they go to 100 or 115, 120, which would then perhaps justify because the cabin crew. Because yeah. you at least have a few, you could make a little more money off a few more passengers. Right. Yeah. So, but that hasn't even been. That hasn't even been constructed yet. But the biggest problem right now is, is getting the MRJ90 certified yeah. and ready for delivery to ANA. Well, so uh, let's wait and see what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure we'll hear something again over the next month or so uh, as to win the program. Yeah. Wow. Given how efficient the Japanese are in their car production, at least. Yeah. Just to hear all this was really, really surprising. Yeah, there's probably more to it than than they're letting on. Yes. Uh, and yes, so if, absolutely. If if you guys have any idea or any, any insight on what we're on the MRJ program, um, send us an email at feedback at passrather.com or um, or just leave us a comment on the on the post at passrather.com slash tw. And this is episode eleven. Um, Wow, interesting. All right, so the next topic we have is we're going to talk about um, 
So because of COVID, um, the, uh, some of the airline operators that are operating the A380s have been starting to retire them. And now we hear that the biggest operator, which is Emirates, right, is mm-hmm. going to park a few of those. Um, what are we hearing from them? Well, I think the end started when Emirates supposedly, well, actually, no, it's pretty much confirmed. They yeah. deferred. They canceled. I think it was 34 of the orders they had that hadn't been delivered. Ah, wow. Um, okay. And they went for the 330 new, the 900 new, and the 350 instead of these 34 380s. Okay have yet to be delivered and now i was reading that an additional four to six of the new 380s that haven't been delivered we're trying to get out of that as well mm-hmm. but uh given that emirates has about 115 of these currently in their fleet news of this retirement which is their first after 12 years Right. is sort of a sad ending, I think, for this incredible aircraft. But what I was also reading is that um, one of the supposed errors that Airbus made was designing this plane for the comfort of passengers. And as we have learned in subsequent years, it's really a profitability issue for the Carriers, yeah. Carriers have to the the airlines have to make money, and uh, with this plane, given the limitations on its cargo carrying capacity, with a full load of passengers, I think that's what had a major part in killing uh, the progress aircraft, because it is a remarkable feat of engineering. Oh yeah, I mean it. But um, everything from the cargo version that had to be dropped um, to it just didn't get the orders it was expected to get. And to back up a little bit, Emirates is not the first carrier to retire this aircraft because Singapore, uh, which got the first production aircraft, retired the first one, their first one in 2017. Yep, I remember and that. This one that they've retired, uh, Emirates has retired, is the second one they received, which was apparently the 13th A380 to be produced. Oh, okay. And last flight was in late February from Muscat to Dubai, which is probably less than a 30 or 45 minute flight. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember that they made a big deal about that because it was the world's world shortest flight than an Yeah, yeah. Well, it went to uh, DWC, which is the world center airport. Yeah, uh-huh. the one we there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to I get uh, repainted in the anonymous white. Yeah, and I'm curious to know who will take this aircraft because it's really not that old. It's 12 years old. Well. Um, ANA uh, took. They just did the blue. Uh, this this new blue. It's three though, right? Three yeah. or four. And they fly them um, between uh, Honolulu and Japan. Yeah. 
and I mean that's I guess I haven't I wanted to fly one um, but it was too difficult to buy a ticket when I was in Hawaii in December and so I didn't get a chance to do it but um, I did see it landing in landing in in Tokyo mm. and I have a friend you of mine Florida. yeah I have a friend of mine who actually flew on it so um, I guess maybe that's where it'll go it'll go in the charter market uh, and go in a high density high density routes you know like the Tokyo Tokyo, Honolulu one. They're not looking to buy any more DNA. Well, not at least. At least not. The public. Yeah, at least yeah. not, not right now. And um, of course, Air France is the first carrier to retire their entire fleet. Yeah, are those uh, officially retired? The Air France yes. one? Wow. Yep. Yeah. Dude, when this is all oh. over, we're going to have to go find all these uh, retired planes. And get some, uh, you know, clearance and stuff to go check them out and share some videos because I think that'd be really cool to see. So, yeah, I know. I think it's a real shame, but it, I mean, it, creative destruction. Yep. As we we're talking about airlines, um, uh, one of the things uh, the the ATM, which is the Arabian travel market, was just held in in um, Dubai. Well. I say held in Dubai, but it was a virtual one. It was actually online. And one of the things, um, so Tim Clark was there and he's the president of Emirates Airlines. And um, is he sir? I think he's just Tim Clark. Maybe he's just Tim Clark. And he said something like- I think um, it is sir. I think it is sir, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he said that, we're talking about physical distance in an airplane, now, which, one, which is one of the big things now, is um, how does the airlines remain profitable and still safely carry people around. And so he said, um, he said basically the math, the calculus doesn't stack up for anyone to do that. And um, Yosef Faradi, who is the CEO of, um, the CEO of uh, Wiz Air from, from Hungary, uh, he said it's totally impractical to do social, social distance in an airplane. And when you see these, I mean, anything we didn't know, right? Right. I mean, but you know, it, it's, it's, I guess it's good to hear what the CEOs um, are actually saying. But even then, they, but Delta is figuring it out. I mean, the people who've flown Delta have said they've actually, I think they're not, they're taking out the middle seats. I know that's what Lufthansa has said, but I don't think this is long term. This is probably July, no, impossible. July or impossible. something like that. Um, and so, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of skipping around a bit, but this is the news because a lot of people, a lot of airlines are starting up service again, and people need to know what to expect um, from these airlines. And one of the issues that um, some of the airlines who've started to fly into different countries is the countries that are open, you know, they've cleaned up and, you know, the they COVID um, is under control in those countries. So obviously they, they don't want other people coming in that are sick and spreading the disease. But then in terms of um, testing, the airlines don't want to manage the testing. And so the country's actually testing you on arrival. But, and if you, if somebody- Are all though, right? Are, are all countries doing that? I don't um, believe all are. Well, I know for now, it, I know for sure that's what the, um, that's what Antigua and Barbuda is doing. They're doing the testing when you arrive. 
And so, uh, but I don't know what the procedure is in Miami. There's an American flight that flies. It's not daily, it's like three times a day, I think. Um, three times a week, you mean? Three times a week, thank you. <laughs> three times a day would be great, right? Um, and I know that they're doing the testing when you get to Antigua, and if you're, if you're positive, then they put you in quarantine. And I also heard that from a, uh, an Instagram live, um, live cast, um, Barbados is doing, is doing something similar, but Barbados is not yet open. But they have people repatriating, and of course, you know, people repatriate, they come in, they test them. And um, the last part they had is. Huh? Did you hear that uh, the UK government is, is being sued by BA, EasyJet, and Ryanair for this 40 day quarantine that came into effect, and I believe it was last Monday? Uh, yes, because uh, 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 somebody, uh, for number, somebody I know had to, they're going to go to Edinburgh to see their kids. And um, they have to structure it now, so they go, so they have two weeks quarantine, and then they can yeah. do whatever they need to do after that. On the face of it, it really doesn't make sense that they would institute a quarantine just now, but yet until now, you could go into this country, at right. least into the UK, into Britain. I, I, should, I should qualify that. It's Britain, not the UK. Yeah. Well, I think it's because they realize that they've screwed up. Um, and that they should they should have been testing people that that's going back and forth because i mean we we do know that it is easy to spread um from people traveling there is no question about that yeah. um and so if we know that that happens we should try to put everything in place to make sure that you know as sure as we can that whenever people travel at least they get tested or um noted or something but I, I have a, a bunch that's of friends. Gonna happen? Well, we'll see because who's going to do the testing? And that's always the thing, right? No one. The airlines are like, nope, we're not doing it, and the countries are like, nope, we're not doing it. But everybody still wants someone to fly. So, um, and it's a cost. Uh, speaking of that, when so who's going to do the testing? Uh, uh, Cambodia just put out a thing that says um, for U.S. citizens flying into Cambodia. Uh, it's a $3,000 fee that you have to pay. And some of that is for the testing, and the rest is if you get sick. $3,000 US dollars? Mm -hmm. And it came, it's a notice that came out from the um, US Immigration, and in the show notes, we'll put a, we'll put a, I put a link to it so you guys can see it. Um, and it's that the country's like, well, we can't afford it, basically. And so if you come in from a country... Huh? Apart from the mega rich, who can afford? Uh, I guess it is telling people you can't come in. You you need to be healthy yeah. to come into our country. Which well, is, is by the way. All I say is that these countries better figure it out because with all these carriers supposedly starting substantial service yeah. in July, well, uh, how are they going to manage business travel? I mean, I, I guess you, they could follow the lead of Singapore, which I think has restricted business travel to staying in a hotel. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that, that like uh, uh, Hawa uh, Hawaii. And not leaving their rooms or something equivalent. But, then, but that's a Hawaii, yeah. You know, you can't leave for, for, for two weeks. You have to, and they only give you, they give you one use keys. So if you get out of the room, you have to go back to the front desk to, to, uh, to get another key. Is and that right? To, yeah. And you have to explain to them, why were you out of your room? <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, so, um, and uh, well, like Iceland is going to open up and no Americans, 
uh, Greece is opening up with no Americans. And so, um, but yeah. no one outside the EU is right. allowed to. Exactly. So we need to get our act together if we want to be able to travel. Um, and, um, you know, and I, but, the, but the whole testing thing, I think, is what really um, I don't understand. Because a friend of mine just did a testing in New York. And I know they're talking about, you know, fast testing and all that. But it's taken five days. It's, it's about, today's day three or five for her to get her results. And so... And are the tests accurate? Well, that's another issue. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we assume they are, but... We hope they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that's affecting travel as we, as we see it is. Um, I, I can't stress more. You need to look at the restrictions. Um, you can't just, there's no more, I want to go fly somewhere tomorrow. Um, you have to look at, and there is, it's the restrictions for your country you're leaving from, the country you're going to, and if you're connecting the country, you're connecting through. And so you can, you may want to go somewhere and then they're like, oh, you just connected through country X. And because you connected through that country, now you have to be in quarantine. Whereas if you had a nonstop flight, then you could go. But then there aren't that many non-stop flights anymore. I think, and I can check right now, I'm thinking we probably still have like, what, was it three flights a day between um, New York and London? Uh, let me check real quick. I know that um, I'm, I'm using my uh, website, fastfarther.com, to do it. Because uh, at one point, there was only one flight leaving from um, uh, London, from LA. And it was, a, it was a British Airways flight. So let's see what we got. So now from New York City to London, um, we've got three flights. Uh, we've got a 605 from, from JFK. JFK to Heathrow, 605 on American. Uh, 7.50 on United and uh, 8.15 on British Airways. All in the morning? Um, no. Or evening? Yeah. Evening. 8.15 p.m., 7.50 p.m. and 6.05 p.m. And it's daily, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the American flight is only on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay. Is what we have. So that's what we have now. Um, so yeah, we have to give it time. I think. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do, we do have to, we do have to give it time. Now, I think um, between uh, New York and LA, there's probably more flights, and I heard that uh, Las Vegas is opening up. Um, but one of my one of my friends who went out there says people aren't really keep, really keeping it, um, being serious about it out there either. So Las Vegas to... Where are they being serious? Where are people wearing masks and maintaining some sort of physical distance? In, I mean, it's... In Europe. <laughs> in the US, nobody seems to care. Um, so New York, to, um, New York to LA, there are 14 flights now. And it looks like they're daily Sunday, Monday. Is that a week? Uh, 14 flights a day. And they're daily. Except Sunday Seems Monday. Uh, yeah, like, I'm seeing um, JetBlue is at 6:30. Then there's American at eight. 
Delta okay. is 810, um, United 830 from Newark. So yeah, there's, yeah, they're flying. Hmm. Don't know how full they are, but they're flying. And this is um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Everyone is daily except for 640 on uh, Alaska Airlines. Doesn't operate on Saturdays. Okay. Uh, yeah, but there's 14 flights a day. Yeah. That's going between the two. You said United has three flights. Delta has three and JetBlue has the rest of them. Yeah, an American. But yeah, um, I know things change. Things change every day almost. So exactly. Exactly. July is coming up fast, so I really hope they do work out this forecast uh, regimen between yeah. countries, especially. Exactly, and I think that stuff is going to change, right? Because everyone, um, I think I heard Bob Ada said it's not about. They had a good way to say it. Um, I think they were saying something. It's not about the date. It's about when they're actually um, ready. Something okay. like that. It's not, it's not about, oh, you know, we're opening in July. It's that we're going to open when we can manage it. Uh, because the thing is that they want to, one, so which is why they're testing. Everyone who arrives, you're testing people. So first they want to bring the numbers down in their, in their own country. And then mm -hmm. once, they, once they can manage that, then what they're not going to do is they'll test everybody who's arriving. And then if somebody has, um, has it when they arrive, then um, they'll go into quarantine. And I assume that they're going to... So what about all the others they could have potentially infected on the flight? Yes. I mean, so what do you do with them? So they're going to track those people. And, and, and yeah, and, and if, you know, if, if somebody gets... Do you quarantine the entire flight? You know? And, exactly. Yeah, and, and who so is, Why would you even go? Yeah. If you have to yeah. quarantine. And so and that's the thing. I think people should be aware of that. It's like, you know, you're... Unless you really have to go somewhere, you're exposing yourself. And if, if you've exposed yourself to someone on that flight who, who, who contracted it without even knowing it, and then when they arrive, which is why they should really test you before you leave. You know, why yeah. have someone sit in a plane for like, you know, eight, nine hours or even an hour, and they realize, oh crap, somebody had it on it. And the thing is that we're not doing that domestically. And we know it's here, so if we're not doing it domestically, then it's almost like you should test everybody who gets to the airport. Anytime I, just at TSA, where they, where they check your passport, then we should have a test that tests you right there. And if you're not well, you can't go. What do you do while they're, while they're waiting for the test? We need to get better tests. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they have those quick tests? I mean, Emirates has a quick test, right? So we should have a quick test. 15 minutes, though. Uh, well, so, I mean, traveler, as we know, it is different, right? It's not, it yeah. is not the same. At least for the next 12 to 14 months. Exactly. Until yep. And that's hoping the vaccine works. Yes. And I think people... Especially considering that they're rushing it through production yep. and development. Yep. And it's weird because they're, they're creating it right now and testing it at the same time, hoping that if if it, yeah. if it works, then they don't have to you know ramp up. They've already have they already have set. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, I really want to fly, but I'm not in a in a hurry to go get infected. You know, or or or, or risk. I don't. I, the risk doesn't outweigh the need to fly. Mm. 
Thank God I've grown a lot. <laughs> well, I think I was reading recently that China has come up to, I think, 70 or 80 percent of their normal capacity, at least in domestically. But I'm not sure if they're allowing foreigners. Uh, and yeah. To come so in. I wonder how they're doing it. Well, so, they were, well, they're wearing masks and they're probably wearing gloves and washing their hands and doing, doing stuff that they're yeah, masks are a very Asian It's thing. a very Asian the thing. People yeah. always wear that. Exactly. Even and if so, they have a cold or a cough, because they consider yep. it to And so that's probably helping um, to keep everything, um, quote unquote, working properly. Yeah. But I mean, I, I know, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a solution soon. It's just that it's, and I get it. I get the fact that the economy is moving. There's a lot of people. Uh, worldwide, not working. I mean, my travel business is suffering. Um, yep. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, it's a real shame. Masks have become so political. Yeah. So which I, is so infuriatingly stupid. Yeah. But it is. It, 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 it is what it is. But you know, when I when I when I go out, I wear it. Um, and when I go for mm -hmm. my walk, I wear it because some people don't want to move to the other side of the street, and I'm not going to argue with anyone. I just move. <laughs> as I walked through. Yeah. Uh, but uh, speaking of New York, though, um, LaGuardia, the, the new terminal is reopened. Yep, yesterday, actually, Saturday, yeah. at 4 a.m. And I believe United Airlines was the first flight to um, go through the brand new Terminal B. Yeah. You, I think you had mentioned, right, that had already experienced the new terminal yeah. as such mm -hmm. earlier on. Yeah, in February, at the beginning of February, I was in New York and I'd flown, uh, I'd flown into there and, uh, and flew back out. And yeah, it's, I mean, there was still a lot of construction going on, um, but the terminal itself was usable. And it, it only had, um, there was American, uh, United was on one side and there was um, some American flights. I think it was actually the um, the ERJs and the CRJs okay. that, were, that were coming out. So this of is Air Canada, Southwest United, and America. Uh, yeah, and, it and, looks and absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and they were all there. It's just beautiful. The big I love New York thing there. There are two clubs: the United Club upstairs and uh, your Canada Club on the other side, uh, which I still don't. And it doesn't look as depressing as the old Guadalupe. No, it is not. It is not. And, and you know, and I always it really is a well-designed, airy, bright. It's big. It's know. huge. It's it's two stories. But it's it's two stories for Four stories. Um, well, yeah. how, I guess when you come inside, when you come in from security, you have the everything is on That's that a level. Third level. Um, yeah, I think ground floor is uh, the shuttles and the welcome center, shuttles and buses. Well, then yeah. the first floor is baggage claim and arrivals. Then the main floor, which is departures and security. And the fourth floor is the gates. Well, see, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird when they say that because when you, when you take the bus, the bus, the bus leaves you on the level that you need to depart. So the bus, the bus comes on the departure level. Still though? Um, Still? Yeah. Yeah. Not at this terminal, apparently. Um, 
Well, when I used it back in February, that's what happened. They, I took the M. Right, but that was probably was the old M something. system. Um, no, because I, I walked right into the check-in area, and it was the new check-in area. Okay. I just walked straight off the bus and went in. I didn't do any upstairs, downstairs thingy. I can't think if I did that. Okay. And then once I walked in, um, I was able to go in the terminal itself. Once you go into the terminal, on the floor that you arrive into the terminal, that's where the planes depart from. And then upstairs is only where you have um, the two clubs, the United Club and the other club. But what I found interesting that uh, they have this bridge over the tarmac, over an active tarmac. Yeah, I really can't think of any other airport in the Western Hemisphere that has that, apart from London Gatwick. Gatwick is the only one. And Gatwick is actually not on West. But but you know, in in Heathrow, you go underneath. Yeah, underneath. In a lot of terminals, a lot and, of airports. And Chicago is under. Um, so, over. Now, now, I guess the tallest aircraft would be what? The 75 and the 76 at uh, LaGuardia? Um, I they, doubt there will be the triple sevens. No, no, no. The runners into LaGuardia. They really, I have never seen. And uh, the Delta used 76s into. Yeah, I've never seen a 7.6 go into there because it's, it's tight for a 7.6 because there isn't yeah. much space for anything. Um, the 7.5, of course. It's a hub, though, right, for Delta and American? Um, well, I, I don't even know if it's really a hub for American. It's more so, well, I guess maybe it is. Yeah, I guess maybe it is. It's more so for Delta. It's really old U.S. Airways. Yeah, so. yeah, so they have that. But I think the reason why they have that gate is because um, that terminal only has the CRJs, and the rest of it, mm. they, you have to be able to get to the American, the rest of the American flights, which is in the other terminal. Um, so I think that's mm. why they have that. It'll be good to go and see it and see what and I see know what they've uh, what they've knows done when that will be now from what's state. happened in February. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's beautiful. They had done a really, really good job. You would not believe it's the same LaGuardia that you were that you had gone into. So. Um, yeah, so apparently it was $8 billion, the whole program, supposedly. Which actually doesn't sound that high to me, but you do this yeah. extensive renovation. Well, they kind of have, and, and you know, and they're still building, right? It's not it's not done yet. That's right. just one part. No, this is just Terminal B. Yeah. And the so. Delta, the Delta piece is also, was also very, very nice. Um, and that piece, I don't, that doesn't need any renovation. Because Delta had the nice C and D, but I haven't heard of a terminal A yet. So um, I'm not sure. So LaGuardia is weird. LaGuardia, I'm always confused when I go to LaGuardia because the the um the letters that you see in your boarding pass doesn't match a terminal that you get dropped off. <laughs> they never match. Um and I know there's also the marine. Well, probably the old LaGuardia, right? You would hope. Yeah. So hopefully they'll fix all that and they'll renumber and rename all the things. Um, the Marine Terminal, which is where JetBlue uses, is where the Delta shuttle used to be, but now all the Delta operations is yeah. that new terminal at the end. So when you go into LaGuardia and you, um, the first terminal at the bus stops is the Delta Terminal, and then I think it's USA, and then the last one is okay. United and then American. So American this is supposed would be, to be the largest terminal in the new LaGuardia. 
I behind uh, Philadelphia and ahead of BWI. Okay, yeah, I could definitely so, see. That. Yeah, because even when I go into LaGuardia, when I go into New York, I prefer LaGuardia, and the reason is that I don't have to pay thirteen dollars to get from Newark to Manhattan, and yeah. then another two dollars and twenty-five cents to get on the train. I just pay the one two twenty five, and I'm in Queens, and I can get to Manhattan easily without paying any extra. So um, in 2018, sorry, um, they had about 15 million passengers a year, but mm -hmm. this at the new LaGuardia is equipped to handle 30. Ah, okay. Yeah. So effectively doubling the capacity. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Oh. That's going to kill the traffic in the area. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they because the last time I was there, um, they um, they I think it's the Grand it's Grand Parkway. I'm getting the name wrong, but is it the highway that runs right next to it? Grand Central Parkway, I think it is. Um, that needs to to be. I think they're doing they're fixing that, and it so it supports the the LaGuardia expansion. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing is that they probably had a lot more time to work on it now because they had less people coming. Yes, in. yes. So they could actually close off areas. <laughs> and there were people there screaming and shouting. Yeah, there weren't any planes coming and going, so it was easy. It was easy to finish it. So, so that's good. All right, then. Um, so that's it for LaGuardia. Um, I think that was our, the last thing we had on our list, right? Uh, yeah, that was the last thing we had on our list. So there you have it, folks. Um, did you have anything else, Fisher, or are we good for this episode? Well, I think we're good for this. All right, All right cool. So that, uh, that's a wrap on episode 11 of This Week in Travel. Um, so uh, head over to passrider.com, and um, you can find the latest episode on there. And uh, please share with your friends. Please download. Please leave us a comment. I'm asking a lot, and I? But... Um, this is uh, Kerwin and signing off from episode 11 of Travel This Week with Kushro and Kerwin. Thank you guys for listening.